Romans chapter 4, and begin to read verse 13 down to uh, the end. It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless, because law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins, and was raised to life for our justification. Amen. May the Lord bless to each and every one of us the reading and hearing of his own word. Uh, take up the offering. Good. What a, what a mess the world uh, appears to be in. How often do we hear of uh, acts of uh, terrorism, uh, threats of war, war. There's a whole business of immigration and anti-immigration, Brexit, anti-Brexit. We have the abortion agenda, the LGBTQ agenda, the genderless agenda. All of them on the march and causing great uh, unrest and disturbance. Great unrest in the world and great unrest even in our own nation. But we don't have to look out of the world to see the mess that things can get into. Much closer to home. What a mess we can get in ourselves into sometimes as, as churches certainly as families and even more so as individuals. Conflicts, difficult relationships, troubles of all kinds. 
as well as the conflicts and struggles uh, within ourselves as we struggle uh, with sin and temptation or perhaps struggling with loneliness, depression. And sometimes, for some people, the weight of all that just becomes too much and everything seems to be hopeless, pointless, little, perhaps no hope for the future. But no matter what happens in this world or in our own wee corner of this world or in our church or in our family, no matter how dysfunctional it might be, and I'm sure we've got somebody in there that's totally a spanner in the works or in our own personal situation. Whatever happens, God is never caught off guard. God is never surprised. For God knows the end from the very beginning. So we ought not to feel alone when we feel as if there is no hope. And it's a testimony to the the truth of Scripture and the reality of Scripture that we find Bible people, even as believers at times, felt as if there was no hope. We have a record of people just like us. Job, Moses, Jonah, Jeremiah, Elijah, the disciples, they all had times in their lives when they felt like giving up. I want to consider the topic of hope this morning. Hope. Hope is something that is very important for us spiritually, but also mentally. Hope gives a a security. And as you know, that sometimes if our thinking can be incorrect or disturbed or troubled, What's going on in our minds and in our our thoughts can affect us physically. It can manifest itself in some physical form or pain or something that starts to happen to our bodies. So we, we do need to be hopeful people. We do need hope. But hope will only help us if it is the right kind of hope. We hope it won't rain. We hope to get good grades. We hope we won't get homework. We hope our team will win. We hope we won't lose our job. We hope that we will get a job. But this kind of hope is more of a a hope so. A hope so. It's, It's nothing more than wishful thinking. We hope that that's the way it will Turn out. Now, sometimes the Bible talks about hope and even talks about it in this sort of sense. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 10, the farmer plows in hope for harvest. 
he hopes that the, he'll, he'll have an abundant harvest. That's why he goes out and he plants the seed. He does all that hard work in the hope of harvest. But it's a hope so because he just doesn't know what, how things are going to turn out. So many different factors that could uh, ruin the crop. It's a hope so kind of hope. So the Bible does talk about that hope so kind of hope. But the Bible distinguishes between two different types of hope. Between a false hope, which is a, a hope of the world, uh, a worldly hope, and then a real hope, a certain hope, which is a biblical hope. First of all, let's just look at uh, false hope uh, as it appears in the scriptures. And the Bible, again and again, shows that false hope is to be is something that's ill-founded, it's empty, it has no solid foundation to it. It's a hope so. It's, it's nothing more than wishful uh, thinking. When hope is placed in someone or something in place of God, it's a hope that will always lead to disappointment and disaster in the end. We're not very different today than we were back in New Testament times, Old Testament times, for we find there a record of exactly what man is doing today. The world looks to power, to wealth, to gods of our own making, imagination. And again and again, the scriptures say none of these things can bring or give lasting uh, security, as we sang about in our first uh, psalm. It's a true in our own day as it has always been. And the scripture gives many different examples of false hope. But I just want to pick out a couple. Um, false hope in power or in, in uh, military might. Uh, and even God's people were tempted to, rather than to trust in God to resolve uh, things for them and to uh, protect them and to secure them, again and again they were looking elsewhere, looking to other nations. For example, Isaiah 31 verses 1 and 3, um, he's talking about them putting their trust in Egypt. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. So they're looking to, to the power of another nation to protect them and keep them. They are many because, but do not look, uh, they, that's where they trust, but they do not look to the Holy One of Israel or consult the Lord. Verse 3, the Egyptians are man and not God. Their horses are flesh and not spirit. When the Lord stretches out his hand, the helper will stumble. The Lord's going to actually cause their help, Egypt, to stumble. And he who has helped Judah is going to fall as well because they were putting their trust in them and not in God. They will all perish together. A false hope looking for strength and help and security elsewhere other than the Lord, a false hope that the Lord's going to sweep away and is going to end in disaster for them. False hope uh, in false gods, even among the people of God. Isaiah 44, verses 9 and 11. All who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. Verse 11. They shall be terrified, they shall be put to shame together. Whoever or whatever we 
have in our life in place of God, where God should be, it's going to end in terror and disaster. False hope in one's own wisdom. Well, it's just a book. It's just a book. I've got my GCSEs and my whatevers and or I read the newspaper and I listen to other people and I watch the TV and I get all this information but I'm not accountable to God but I can't see him <coughs> this is it false hope in one's own wisdom Proverbs 26 and verse 12 do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes he knows he knows better than God he knows better how to live his life There is more hope, says the Proverbs, the writer, there is more hope for a fool than for him. A person who knows better than God, who doesn't need God, who doesn't need God's word, who doesn't need to be instructed, God says there's more hope for a fool than for him. False hope in riches. False hope in riches. Proverbs 11 verse 28. Whoever trusts, whoever hope, puts their hope in his riches will fall. But the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Is your stuff, is getting stuff, what makes you feel secure? Is what gives you confidence? Is it your safety net? God's word says it's all going to fall. And you'll fall with it if that's what you are trusting in and depending upon. False hopes in self-righteousness. Well, I'm not too bad. God's sure to accept me. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't stolen anything. (coughs) Try to help my neighbour. Give to charity. False hopes in self-righteousness. In religion. The list goes on and on and on. And it's all inadequate. Inadequate grounds of hope that the Bible tells us will end in disappointment and disaster. The Bible speaks of those who trust in such false hopes as those who have no hope at all. Job 8 verse 13 Such are the paths of all who forget God. The hope of the godless shall perish. That's what's going to happen in the end. Job 27 verse 8. For what is the hope of the godless? Those who have no time for God, no thought of God. When God cuts him off, when it comes to the end, when God takes his way as life, what about all those things you were hoping in then? Proverbs 10 verse 28. The hope of the righteous brings joy. But the expectation of the wicked or the expectation of the unbeliever will perish. Proverbs 11 verse 7. When the wicked dies, when the unbeliever dies, his hope will perish with him. The Apostle Paul, writing in the New Testament, he was writing about pagans, about unbelievers in his own day. And he describes their hopeless situation. And in describing them, he describes the the, the hopeless situation of every unbeliever in every age. Ephesians 2 and verse 12 He says that they are separated from Christ. They have no part of Christ. They're separate from him. They're alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. They have no part of the family of God. They're strangers to the covenants of promise. They have no hope. And they're without God in the world. Hope in anyone 
or in anything other than God is to have a false hope, an empty hope, hope that is no hope at all. It's to live without Christ, to be apart from Christ, to be without God. It's to have no hope, no grounds to have hope, and no basis on which to be hopeful. And God warns us again and again and again. It's going to end in disaster. So where can we find real hope? Hope that isn't hope so. Well, I hope it's going to work out all right in the end. But a hope that is a no-so kind of hope. A certain hope. An assured hope. Well, that is biblical hope. And the Bible shows us that biblical hope, the true foundation of real hope, is in God. Whether we're in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. One writer says, Biblical hope, true hope, isn't like a kite. It's not like a kite. At the, at the, you know what a kite is? Anybody tried to fly, fly a kite? What about that young fellow down there? You tried to fly a kite? I, I can never get a kite off the ground. No matter what, no matter how good the kite is, I've never been able to fly one. But if, if you get a kite up in the air, it, it just doesn't sit in one place. It's jumping here uh, and there. And this writer says, Biblical hope is not like a kite at the mercy of the changing winds. It's like an anchor. Biblical hope is not like a kite jumping around all over the place. That's, that's worldly hope. Biblical hope is like an anchor. And he says it's described in Hebrews 6, verses 18 and 19. And those two verses say, It's impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast. And what are we to hold fast to? To the hope set before us. We have this this hope, a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A hope, and this is where it's anchored, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone. So where where is the believer's hope? Where is it anchored? It's anchored in Jesus Christ himself. A living hope. The believer has the assurance that the things that he hopes for are real. They're real. Now we can't see them. The things that the believer hopes for, we can't see them. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. We believe in things that we can't see, we can't touch. (coughs) Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. They're unseen, but they're real nonetheless. Because how do we know about these things? We learn about them from God, who cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. So the believer's hope is not a, a hope so, some airy, wish, fairy, wishful thinking. It's not like a kite, but it's like an anchor, an anchor that penetrates deep into the invisible, eternal world. It's fixed, it's tied, it's anchored to Jesus Christ himself. Assurance of things unseen. Because we're assured by what God has said and what God has promised.
Christian's hope is securely based on the words and the actions of God. What God has said, but also what he has done. And we can read of what he has done uh, throughout uh, the scriptures. And we see that this biblical hope rests on the trustworthiness of God. That we, we believe that God is going to keep his word. And that he's going to keep his promises. And here's real hope. Here's real hope. When we read the word of God, we put our trust in his word. We trust him. We can know for certain that we have a secure and certain future ahead. He promises that all who put their trust in him, that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. He promises to be our anchor in the present day and also for all eternity. Now, when you look at the word hope, when the word hope is used, or our translations uh, in, uh, have it in the, uh, the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there's not just one single word, one Hebrew word, that corresponds directly to our English word hope. In the Old Testament, they use different terms to, to, to show the idea of hope. And each of those uh, terms has a, a different meaning. I'm not going to go through them, but I, I'll reference them uh, in just a moment. Hope in the Old Testament, if you read about hope or the aspect or the, uh, the, the whole idea of hope, when you come across it, look out for what is around it. Because very often in the Old Testament when it speaks about hope or waiting on the Lord, it's tied in with trust. With trust, trusting God, trusting God as, as the ground of hope, as the, the object of hope. So the, the, the person that's writing is, is trusting in God and, and they're believing in God who is almighty, who is sovereign, who's ruling over all things. So they're trusting in this God and, and the, he's a powerful God, he's the all powerful God. So hope again and again, is linked with fear of God. Not terrified of God, but fear of God in reverence for God. Open, mouth open wide in, in adoration for who God is and for what he has done. So when you read, read about hope in the Old Testament, look out for this trust, but also this fear of God. Just a few verses uh, that highlight this. Uh, we sang the first one. Um, uh, Psalm 33 and verse 18. Behold the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. The Lord's watching those who fear him. Who reverence him. On those who hope in his steadfast love. They're hoping in the assurance of his love for them. Psalm 147 verse 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. In those who hope in his steadfast love. Hope. And fear, hope and reverence. Proverbs 23, 17 and 18. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future and your hope will not be cut off. Isn't that what Asaph, the psalmist Asaph, found in Psalm 73? He was looking at the world and he was thinking, well, you know, those people, they don't believe in God. And yet everything seems to be going well for them. And they seem to be having a great time and a great life. Uh, and and they've no thought of God. And here am I. I want to I want to obey God. I want to follow Him. I want to keep His word. And I'm in trouble. 
And, and so often things are difficult for me. But what happened? Then he went to worship. He went to worship and everything became clearer to him. He saw the end. He saw the end. They had no God. And in the end they were going to have no God. And they were going to be separated from, from God for all eternity. He, he was having all this trouble. But he had this hope. This hope set before him. He was going. He had God with him. And he was going to spend the rest of eternity with God. Let not your heart envy sinners. Look at them and say, well, they seem to be doing okay. But continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future. There is a day coming. And your hope will not be cut off. As theirs will. In the Old Testament. To hope in God is to stand in awe of him. In awe of his power. With the confidence that he will faithfully perform his word. He will keep his promises. It's hope that is trusting in the righteous character of God. So hope and fear very often tied in together uh, in the Old Testament. When we come to the New Testament, there's just one term for hope. One term for hope, um, but it's used in in a variety of ways. Uh, It's hope uh, hope with reference to the return of Christ, hope uh, about the coming day day of the Lord, Uh, hope simply putting our hope in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the hope, the expect, uh, expectation of a new heavens and a new earth, hope of the resurrection, hope of eternal life. Uh, but in the New Testament, just as in the Old Testament, the basis of biblical hope, real hope, always lies in God and in God alone. We saw just a moment ago how hope and reverence or hope and fear of the Lord uh, are tied in together in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we find that hope is often linked with faith. It's linked with faith. Biblical hope isn't a matter, being hopeful in this sense, isn't a matter of a person's temperament. Well, I can understand how you can be hopeful. Um, uh, you're, you're a half glass full person. You're, you're an, an optimist. You're always hopeful. You're always looking on the bright side. Whereas me... I've just had so much experience and so many hard times and everything. I'm a half glass empty person. And I look on the, on the downside or the negative side all the time. I can see how uh, you can be hopeful. That's nothing to do with this here. This isn't biblical uh, hope. It's not brought about our, by our circumstances. But I can understand how you can be hopeful. You've, you've just won the lottery or you've got a big house. You've got a lovely wife. You've got a lovely family. You've got a big car. Everything's going well for you. I can see how you would be hopeful. Look at me. I've no job. My family's split up. There's all sorts of things going wrong. The doctor's told me this. The doctor's told me that. It doesn't depend on our circumstances or what we possess or what others can do for us. And that's why I read this wonderful example uh, from Romans chapter 4 in the life of Abraham because it's a wonderful example of hope and faith in life. And just think of Abraham's circumstances at that time. He'd been told that he was going to be a father of nations. And his wife was 100 years old. and uh, Or he was 100 years old. And his wife was barren. So how was this ever going to, going to happen? There was nothing. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. In Abraham's situation. To justify that this was going to take 
place. He was too old and she was past childbearing. And in Romans 4 and verse 18, just read what it says there. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope. There was nothing to give him hope. And against all hope, he believed. Everything in his situation said, Abraham, this is impossible. This is not going to happen. Matthew Henry has got a nice comment on this. He says, all the arguments of sense, reason and experience were against him. But he believed in hope. He believed in God's sufficiency. From the human standpoint, there was no hope. But with God, all things are possible. God had said it. God had promised it. And Abraham simply believed it. He believed God. He believed against hope. Biblical hope is inseparable from faith in God. If you want to have this biblical hope, this real hope, you have to trust God. You have to trust God. Because of what God has, has done in the past. Because of what God has done through his son. The, bio, the believer dares to believe what God has promised to do in the future. That it will come to pass. And we dare to expect future blessing because God has promised he has promised future blessing for his people and we have to believe that even though our present circumstances might be shouting at us the opposite just as it was for Abraham it's invisible it's invisible to us at the present time but it's a reality it's a reality in the promise in the word of God The goodness of God is, isn't is never exhausted for the believer. And we read again and again in the scriptures how the best is still yet to be for God's people. And our hope, our hope will only be increased the more that we reflect on what God has done, on, a, on his activities in the past, uh, and we reflect on his word and we trust it, we believe in it. And there's a lovely verse at the end of uh, the letter to the Romans, Romans 15, verse 4, where Paul says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. All this was written to, te to teach us. It was written for our instruction that through endurance, through all the hard times, through all the pain, and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And perhaps at times we have a lack of hope and a sense of hopelessness, even as believers. It's real. God's people experienced it in the past. We're going to experience it today. Even as believers, there can be a sense of hopelessness. And perhaps that sense is our own failure to read God's word, to read of his activities 
as Paul says, which were written for our instruction and for our encouragement so that we might have hope. You feeling hopeless? Just get out your Bible. Just start reading. We're all going to face many challenges in this life. We all have our own struggles and our own battles, whether you're standing up here, you're sitting sitting down there. But God has provided all the equipment that we need to survive. In Ephesians 6, verses 14 to 17, uh, speaks about the, the armor of God, um, what we need to uh, in our battle with the enemy, with, a, uh, with the world, with the flesh. Um, part of that equipment is the helmet of salvation in uh, chapter 6 and verse 17. Uh, Paul mentions this helmet again in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8. And he refers to this helmet as the, the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation. It's this helmet this, that we've been given to protect us. It's, it's biblical hope. Trust. Trust in God. Trust in his word. Trust in his promises which will secure us and make certain our salvation. It's the hope of salvation. It's part of our defensive armour in our struggle against evil, in, in, our, in our own struggles against fear and doubts. Hope and faith. Hope and faith. Well, this uh, biblical hope, it, it's something for now. For now, it's for the present time, but it's also for the future. And I just want to give you some references um, for, for the present and the future. Hope, hope in the present. Uh, there's hope. Uh, God's word gives us hope for now. Uh, we, uh, we'll, we sang about it in Psalm 130, uh, verse 7. Hope in the Lord. It's hope in redemption. Hope in salvation. Hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. You want to be saved? You want to be right with God? Hope in God. He has plentiful salvation. You don't need anything else. Nothing to, add, to be added to it. Hope in the Lord. He rescues all those who put their trust in him and trust in his work of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us from the certain judgment that is to come. And we have the promise, the promise of an eternal home to be with him forever. And he has sealed that redemption. He has sealed it. It's, it's guaranteed. How has he sealed it? How has he put a seal on it? How has he guaranteed our salvation? He has put a seal with the blood of his own son. It's sealed with the blood of his own son. Which seals the believer securely and permanently. When our hope is in the Lord. And not in any other. Not in ourselves. It's a rock solid hope. For now. For today. And it will be forever. God gives us gifts of hope. Gifts of hope. Psalm 119 verse 49 the psalmist says, for you have given me hope. Where are we going to get this hope from? Because we're inclined to look for our hope in the things that we can see, in the things that are around us. Where can we get this hope from? The psalmist says, it's a gift from him. You have given me hope. And he gives us this hope in many different ways. And I just want to give you a few examples. Uh, just read it. There, there are depths, depths, depths of hope in here i'm just skimming skimming the surface hope that comes through his guidance he gives us hope this gift 
this gift of hope through his guidance. Psalm 25 verse 5. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. And do you remember I said there's different terms in the Old Testament for hope? And that word wait is one of those terms. It has the idea of hope. For you I wait all day long or my hope is in you all day long. So lead me. Lead me. Show me the way to go according to your truth. Teach me. You're the God of my salvation. We can't see beyond today. Not one of us. We can't even see beyond the next moment. We can't see beyond. But God has planned every step of our way. He guides us. He protects us. Even in the dark valleys that David describes in Psalm 23. We might make many, many plans. Maybe you've made New Year resolutions. But God determines. God has determined where our steps will go. Proverbs 16 verse 9. We have hope. We have this hope. Because he is our guide in this life. We're not. We're not here on our own. He gives us a gift of hope. In giving us courage. Giving us courage. Psalm 31 verse 24. That we're going to sing in just a moment. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. All you who wait. Same word. All you who wait for the Lord or all you who hope in the Lord. The unbeliever only has hope in this world or things in this world. If our hope is to be in this world, then we will be consumed with worry. Because we don't know what's going to come next. But those who hope in God, who have this hope in the only one who can guarantee our future. When we are, when we are trusting in him, it will give us great courage and great strength. It's a hope that protects. Psalm 33 and verse 20. We sang that at the beginning. Our soul waits. It waits in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. He is, our, he is there to protect us, to watch over us. It's a hope, a hope in times of trouble. Psalm 42 verse 5 and Psalm 43 verse 5. The, the, it's a pair of psalms. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? He is in, he's in trouble and, and he's, he's feeling it. And he's downcast. Why? He speaks to himself. Why are you downcast, O oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? What are you doing? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. The psalmist has no reason, no reason to be downcast because when our hope is in God, we have every reason to praise uh, our saviour and our God because without him without him everything uh, would be trouble there would be reason to be downcast there would be reason to be depressed and troubled but there's absolutely no reason at all to be downcast when our hope is in God and I said it here before remember Paul in prison rejoice again I say rejoice and where was he rejoicing he was rejoicing in prison and he was telling people on the outside to rejoice why why could he do that because it was exactly the same his hope was in the Lord no matter what his circumstance no matter what his situation and here's a, a lovely verse and it's a verse I have to say that's helped me again and again and I was just saying to the session before we started this this month is a crazy month for me it, it is I, I just couldn't begin to describe everything that I need to do this month 
Uh, but this is a verse that comes back to, back to me again and again, and the Lord has graciously answered it every time. It's a, it's a hope that gives peace, and it's a, a, a peace for today, for, for tonight, for whenever. Psalm 62, verse 5. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. Verse 6. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. I wonder how many of you are going to lie down to sleep tonight. And you can't get to sleep. You can't get to sleep. There are so many things racing through your head of what needs to be done and things that you can't work out and things that you can't see your way through. You're wrestling with so many anxious thoughts. So many what-ifs about tomorrow. But if you're, if you're a child of God, if you're a believer, our tomorrows are all taken care of of him, or they're taken care of by God alone. Our hope is in Him. Find rest, O my soul. Hope in Him, and when we do, we'll be able to rest and to have peace. It's easier to sleep if we acknowledge that, Lord, I don't know what's going to hit me tomorrow, but You do, and You're going to be there with me. So just give me some rest now, and give me some peace in preparation. For it's easier to sleep if we acknowledge that tomorrow is in God's hands. If we feel hopeless and worried about tomorrow or whenever, remember Psalm 62 verse 5. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. Hope for now in salvation, in guidance, in courage, in protection in times of trouble and and peace. Hope for the present. But there's also, for the believer, hope for the future. Many people say that they hope to go to heaven. They hope to go to heaven. Well, tell me, why do you hope to go to heaven? And they'll come out with this big long list of, or, or try to make a list of things of why, why they think God should allow them to spend eternity with him. And you could write as a title at the top of it, Hope So. Because that's all it is. Or airy-fairy thinking. Because there's nothing more to it. Wishful thinking on their part. They have no solid basis. No backup. To confirm what they're holding on to. The believer's hope to go to heaven is completely different. It's nothing to do with them. It's no list. It's no boxes ticked. It's completely different. It's not a hope so it's a no-so kind of hope. And it's not because they're any better than anyone else. It's because of the foundation of their hope. The basis of the hope. The grounds of their hope. Which is in God. In God. And in his word. And in his promises. Which speaks to us of the salvation through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the grounds of our hope. Now, the, the Lord Jesus didn't give any specific or explicit references to hope in his teaching. However, in his, when he does give instruction, um, he teaches his disciples not to be anxious about the future 
because he says in Matthew uh, that that future is in the hands of a loving heavenly father. Hope for the believer isn't only for this life, it's also for the life to come. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19, excuse me, Paul says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we're of all people most to be pitied. That's because that's the empty hope of the world. It's only hope that's in this life and they can't see beyond or look, they don't look beyond. And he goes on to explain that the certainty of Christ's resurrection enables believers to hope in confidence that they too will be raised. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. So he says, we're all going to die. We're all going to die. But those who are in Christ will be made alive. Will be made alive. The resurrection. We're all in Adam. We're all going to die. But only those in Christ, those trusting in him, shall be made alive, shall be raised to be with him, made alive for an eternity with God. So in closing, you've had to take a lot in today. Uh, We're coming to the end. In closing, I just want to appeal to you to seriously consider the grounds of any hope that you may have. What's the grounds of your hope? What's the basis of your hope? Even go home and get a piece of paper and say, I hope to go to heaven and put in why. And if you start making a list of things about you or things that you've done or things that you hope, then just chuck it in the bin because that's, that's all your hope is worth. Consider the grounds of any hope that you may have. Consider it now in the light of God's word. And ask yourself, am I trusting in a false hope or a certain hope? If you're not a believer, God's word is very clear. You have no hope, no hope whatsoever. You you might not know what your future holds. It's not uncertain to God. God knows exactly. He says it's going to end in disaster if you're trusting in anything other than him. But it need not end that way. It need not end that way. That's why the gospel is good news. Because God gives us this good news. It need not end that way. Here and now. While your heart is still beating. And you still have a breath in your body. And you still got the faculties of your mind. And you can think. And you can be aware. Fix your hope. Fix your hope on the rock solid promises of God. And all that he promises. Will be made yours. It will be yours. It will be his gift to you. Believe his word when he says. Believe in my son. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. You don't need any list. To be right with me. You need my son. Believe in him. And you will be saved. (coughs) Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 2. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Today is the day. Now is the favourable time. Behold now is the day of salvation. And here is how you can have a real certain living hope. A a confident hope. (coughs) It's by turning from sin, turning from your sinful ways and turn to the saviour of sinners, Jesus Christ. Turn to him as your saviour today and God will give to you the assurance of hope for today, for tomorrow and for all eternity. And no matter 
no matter how dark or how, how hopeless at times our situation might become, even as a believer, we've been given many gifts to encourage us. To encourage us. People need hope. We need to be hopeful. But only hope that is placed in God, in the word of God, in the promises of God, secure and certain. And it will end in eternal blessedness. Amen.